Do you ever find yourself being so obsessed with the faults of others that you can't even explain why it is that you're judging them that way? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 13, Duff Yud Gimel of Tractate Subas. And we learn that the Baal Shem Tov says the world is a mirror. The way we perceive others is often a projection of what's truly going on inside ourselves. To sponsor a message of the Transformative Duff podcast, please email me, transformativeduff at gmail.com. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with the story. Shaul HaMelech had failed to heed the word of Hashem in the battle against King Agag of Amalek. As a result of his disobedience, Hashem had decreed that the throne would be usurped from him and given to David, the son of Yishai. When Shaul first met David, he had no idea that this charming young man would eventually succeed him. And so he showered him with kindness and blessing, including his daughter Michal's hand in marriage. But as time passed, it became increasingly evident that David was the monarch in waiting. And the more Shaul realized that the right of his offspring to the throne was to be passed over in favor of David, the more his animosity toward David grew ever stronger. Accusing David of treasonous activity, Shaul spent many years in hot pursuit of him. On one occasion, David was in the wilderness of Ein Gedi. Shaul picked 3,000 soldiers and went in search of David and his men. En route, he came across a cave and went inside to relieve himself. Unbeknownst to him, however, David and his men were sitting in the back of the cave. David's men said to him, This is the day of which Hashem said to you, I will deliver your enemy into your hands. You can do with him as you please. David went and stealthily cut off the corner of Shaul's cloak. But afterward, David reproached himself for cutting off the corner of the king's clothing. He said to his men, God forbid that I should do such a thing to Hashem's anointed one. David rebuked his men and did not permit them to attack Shaul. Shaul left the cave and started on his way. David followed him out of the cave and called out, My Lord King! Shaul looked around and David bowed low in homage with his face to the ground. Why do you believe that I am out to do you harm? David implored the king. You can see for yourself now that Hashem delivered you into my hands in the cave today. And though I had the opportunity to kill you, I showed you pity. Please, sir, take a close look at the corner of your cloak in my hand. For when I cut off the corner of your cloak, I did not kill you. You must see plainly that I have done nothing evil or rebellious, and I have never wronged you. As the ancient proverb has it, wicked deeds come from wicked men, my hand will never touch you. When David finished speaking, Shaul responded, Is that your voice, my son David? He then broke down and wept and said to David, You are right, not I, for you have treated me generously, but I have treated you badly. If a man meets his enemy, does he let him go on his way unharmed? Surely Hashem will reward you generously for what you have done for me this day. I now know that you will become king and that the kingship over Israel will remain in your hands. So swear to me that you will not destroy my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's house. David swore to Shoal, and they both went on their way. Let's look at today's Gemara. Says the Mishnah, If people saw a maiden speaking to a stranger, and they said to her, What is the status of this man? And she replied, He is a man called so-and-so, and he is a Kohen. Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Leazar said, She is believed. Says the Gemara, What is the meaning of speaking? Ziri said, It means that she secluded herself with him. Rabbi Asi said, It means that they were intimate. 
Granted, according to Ziri, that is why it employs the term speaking. However, according to Rav Asi, what is the meaning of the term speaking? It is a euphemism. As it is written concerning licentious behavior, she eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have performed no sin. Let's analyze today's Gemara. The Mishnah discusses a scenario where a maiden was seen speaking with a stranger. Rav Asi explains the word speaking as a euphemism for inappropriate behavior, as the verse in Proverbs talks of a person who acts improperly and then simply wipes her mouth and claims nothing untoward occurred. The Al-Sheikh comments that sinners not only deny their own iniquity, but they feign righteousness by accusing others of precisely the same sin of which they themselves are guilty. The Al-Sheikh quotes the Medrash that compared the Roman Empire to a pig. A pig typically lies on its back with its hooves in the air, as if to say, look, I'm a kosher animal. In truth, however, while it may indeed have split hooves, it doesn't chew its cud, and therefore it's not kosher. Likewise, the Roman imperialists would plunder and pillage as they conquered the world. They would then pride themselves on their advanced judiciary system, replete with its extensive penal code for bandits and brutes. Medrash concludes sardonically with the story of a certain ruler who boasted of having executed several thieves, adulterers, and sorcerers all in a single night. Incredibly, while our sages immediately saw right through the hypocrisy, it has taken until the modern era for the nations of the world to acknowledge the double standards of their colonialist pursuits. Why does the Al-Sheikh offer the Midrash in his commentary? Beyond the duplicity that our sages expose, the Al-Sheikh is asserting that a sin can't simply be wiped away. It doesn't just disappear, it must be expiated. How does a sinner eliminate his sin? By substituting a carbon in the form of another helpless human being. The Romans assuaged their feelings of guilt for their global plunder by prosecuting local thieves. While the Al-Sheikh might not have had a term for the human attribute that he was describing, psychologists today call this approach projection. Sinners don't simply deny and try to conceal their shortcomings, they project their feelings of guilt onto others. When an individual accuses another of a particular transgression, there's a good chance that he himself is guilty of that precise issue, particularly if he is inexplicably obsessive about the matter. That's why speaking is used as a euphemism. Instead of accepting guilt for his own shortcomings, he projects onto another person and speaks ill of that person. In the words of Shmuel, anyone who invalidates others, invalidates with his own blemish. The Baal Shem was famous for his theory of projection. He would teach that the entire world is a mirror. Whenever you see bad in another individual, you should ask yourself, what's wrong with yourself in that realm? While he didn't frame it in exactly such terms, he was essentially offering the remedy for projection. If you're able to see a problem in another person, then chances are you're familiar enough with the issue and should be able to identify some form of the spiritual malady within yourself. When you're aghast at your friend's actions, ask yourself why you're bothered so much. Maybe you personally have an element of the issue that you've yet to deal with. Let's say, for example, you're feeling that your spouse is selfish and stubborn. The Baal Shem Tov would advise that you ask yourself whether perhaps you might be the one in marriage who is unyielding and insistent on always getting your own way. Or maybe you're finding other people too judgmental. You need to look inside yourself and ask whether you might be judging them a little too much. That was King Saul's biggest failure. He was on a crusade to destroy David. Not necessarily because he envied his heir to the throne. He'd probably accepted the divine inevitability of that outcome. Rather, he'd somehow convinced himself that David wanted to harm him. 
It wasn't until David proved that he meant him no harm that Saul conceded that he'd projected his own sentiments onto his rival. Next time you jump to criticize another person, ask yourself if your haste to condemn is motivated by your own inadequacies in that area. And if, after a period of self-reflection, you're unable to find any fault within yourself, you should still ask yourself why you're bothered so much. As we judge others, so Hashem judges us. May you forever give everyone the benefit of the doubt and may all find favor in your eyes, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful about Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.